Hello, everyone, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. My name is Lisa. Here with me, as always, is Brianna and JC. And we have a really important episode today. So we are coming out of a really important awareness month right into another really important awareness month. So January was both uh, Human Trafficking and Stalking Awareness Month. We had really incredible episodes as well throughout the month. Um, Really fantastic guest speaker. She is the founder of uh, a human trafficking coalition and agency in Reno. And so, again, if you missed some of those conversations, they are a little heavy. We'll put that disclaimer out there, right? Talking about trafficking, talking about stalking, but really encourage you to go back and take a look. But coming into this month, we're now in February, and so not only is it Black History Month, but in our anti-violence field, it is also Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. And so we are really excited, particularly for this episode. Uh, Doing prevention work like we do means a lot of the time we're working with youth. So perhaps we're in uh, classrooms at the high school or the middle school, we're conducting presentations. So this is essentially one of our uh, key elements, pretty much, for what we teach, and it's kind of our area of expertise, as you could say. Yeah, we're excited to get into this episode. I know this is something that we are each passionate about for a multitude of different reasons. Um, You know, when we started this podcast, I told you that I come to this work as a survivor, and part of my story is with teen dating violence. And it wasn't something that I recognized I was going through or a victim of at the time. But now looking back, I'm able to recognize all of those red flags. And so I'm personally really passionate about educating youth about this because I really think if I can educate someone about the red flags that I missed and I can potentially help them notice them, then I'm going to do that. Absolutely. Uh, So sharing my story is something that is really important to me and something I'm open with for that fact is just I want other survivors to know that they're not alone and to be able to recognize that they deserve healthy relationships and what healthy relationships really look like. So today we're going to be defining teen dating violence. You know, sometimes I've had times when I've shared my story and I've had people come up to me and say, so I've heard of domestic violence, but teen dating violence, that's a thing? Absolutely. Yes, it is. And so we are going to not only define that, and talk about what it is, but also go through some statistics for it and just really dive in deep about what makes up teen dating violence, as well as go over some resources that youth can access in regard to teen dating violence. Yes, absolutely. And like Brie mentioned, teen dating violence is a serious problem. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's dive in. So let's start off by defining what teen dating violence is. And so teen dating violence includes physical, psychological, or sexual abuse, harassment, or stalking of any person between the ages of 11 to 24 in the context of a past or present romantic or consensual relationship. So I just really want to highlight that All age ranges that fall under the umbrella of teen dating violence may vary on specific websites or agencies. Um, The age 11 to 24 includes transitional youth, which is the statistic that we specifically um, will be referring to. And so youth between 16 to 24 is a transitional age, and that's why it's included in 
in the definition of teen dating violence. And so any young person can experience teen dating violence abuse, just like domestic violence. So regardless of gender, sexual orientation, um, ethnicity, religion, or culture, it does not discriminate. And it can happen to anyone in any relationship, whether it's one that's serious or one that's casual. Yeah, and I'd like to highlight some statistics here because it is so common. It is such a serious issue. And these statistics I actually pulled from, we recently did a proclamation in the county that I work in, Alpine County, and this was approved by the Board of Supervisors. So uh, this is something that we are spreading far and wide, uh, just so you know that's reference of where these are. It's also, I pulled, I think most of them, from a recommended statewide proclamation that a statewide organization recommended as well. So according to the American Psychological Association, one in three teens, so if you have three teens in front of you, we're talking about at least one, ages 14 to 20, have been victims of dating violence and about the same number say they have committed relationship violence themselves. One of the things about educating about teen dating violence that's so important is we're not just talking to one gender. Like JC said, it can affect anyone, but we are talking to everyone because everyone can learn to have healthy relationships. Everyone deserves to know what healthy relationships are. Also, according to the Center of Disease, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they have a program called Dating Matters Strategies to Promote Healthy Teen Relationships. They report that one in three adolescents report verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual dating abuse each year. Dating abuse can happen to anyone, like JC said, regardless of sexual orientation, gender, socioeconomic standing, ethnicity, religion, culture, you know, just really drive that point home of it doesn't matter where you come from or what your situation is, this could be something that affects you. Uh, teen dating violence has been linked to other forms of violence and aggression against peers, including bullying, sexual harassment, sexual violence, physical violence. That's often a way that we can kind of initially get into schools is talking about bullying and sexual harassment. And then once we're kind of getting more comfortable in those conversations, we can bring up the other topics of sexual assault and teen dating violence, but they're absolutely linked. Uh, survivors of teen dating violence have increased risk for truancy, dropout, teen pregnancy, suicide, having eating disorders, and engaging in other harmful behaviors such as use of alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. So you can definitely see how this is a serious issue and can affect many facets of a person's life. And also victims of teen dating violence are at an increased risk for carrying a weapon to school, um, being threatened or injured with a weapon at school and damaging school property. So this can affect other people around them as well. You know, it's not just existing in this vacuum of that teen relationship. It can affect other areas of their life and other people around them. Yeah. And I mean, quite seriously, right? Just kind of thinking about that statistic or that idea that many survivors are at this increased risk, right, for, you know, any kind of uh, maybe health behaviors or, or issues maybe with school, mm -hmm. right, truancy, dropping out, your grades dropping, taking on those at-risk behaviors, smoking, coping with drugs and alcohol. And so, I mean, the impression that this makes, I think, for us to start thinking about how important this is, think about right now if you go to a high school or think about right now if you did go to a high school, think about in that setting, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on 
with teenagers to begin with, right? But then you think about dealing with a really serious issue every single day. And the way that I'm probably going to cope with that at that time, being that age, not really maybe having resources, right? Or maybe feeling like I don't have anyone to really talk to about this. Of course, we're going to see it almost as what we call like those conduct disorders or essentially acting out because you're trying to deal with everything, not only, again, all the other things we know go on for teenagers at that age, right? Dealing with stress, dealing with school, but dealing with the stress of surviving every day with abuse or with mistreatment or with just disrespect, right? That's taking you to a certain level. Yeah, we're probably going to see that manifest somehow. We're going to see acting out. We're going to see coping. We're going to see maybe not going to school because we have a lot to deal with. And so, you know, I think at any point, it's just a good idea if you notice that somebody maybe is completely withdrawn, maybe someone's acting completely different, maybe someone used to be really calm and cool and collected, and now maybe they like flip out really easy, right, or get agitated super easy or get down on themselves and really mean to themselves or others really quickly. We're not saying that they're experiencing teen dating violence, but regardless, it's something really important to probably check on that person about. If you see someone reacting to the world like that, it's usually because there's something bigger going on. And so in this case, yeah, if we're talking about teen dating violence, we could see maybe they're acting out because, again, they're dealing with that or that they're coping. And so we are going to share. I know if you've watched previous episodes with us, especially talking about domestic violence, right, which we know is a lot similar, very similar to teen dating violence. We have already shared out these ideas with you guys that we have a wheel for everything. And so when we're looking at things like relationship abuse or what's good in a relationship or how to treat someone well and how to communicate, we have a wheel like this like model for everything. And so right now I'm going to share out, we have a specific wheel for teen dating violence. Essentially, every part of the wheel shows a different way that someone could mistreat or abuse their partner. And this wheel is really important when we're thinking about how these relationships happen. Because again, we've gone over this, the common question for people in the relationship that are being abused or being mistreated is, why are you there? Why did you let this happen? Or how is this still continuing? Why are you letting this continue? This wheel does a really good job kind of showing us how that's not an easy question to ask because there's so much going on. This person's going to feel possibly really helpless, uh, possibly out of control, right? Like they don't have control of what's going on um, or the ability to safely make a decision. And so that's why we love showing these wheels. They're really important kind of realistic pictures of how these things are played out. And so let me pull that up. We are going to share this out. And so for those of you who are watching right now on YouTube, um, we're going to start at the top. So we are going to start with this section on peer pressure. So again, this wheel shows us all the different ways in which manipulation and abuse could be played out between um, teenagers, young adults in this relationship. And so we know peer pressure is really big. I think we all remember being in high school. I think we all remember being at an age when our image is super important, right? Our legacy, how people in my class or my school are going to perceive me, what they're going to think about me, how they'll remember me when we're out of high school, the stories that will be told. When you're in high school, that's a super big deal. And honestly, you know, no one else should have the right or the opportunity to create your legacy for you. No one else should get to say, you know, this is how you're going to be remembered. 
And so it is really important to think about the kind of pressure peer pressure can have. So for instance, maybe someone is in an unhealthy relationship um, and maybe they're telling their partner, hey, listen, this isn't okay. And maybe I want to break up with you. And maybe their partner's response is, well, go ahead. But if you do that, remember all that private stuff or that secret you told me or all that stuff we did together you didn't want me talking about? Well, hmm. If you're not caring about me anymore, right, then I don't care to keep those secrets for you. I'll probably, I'll go tell my friends or maybe I'll expose those photos you shared with me with consent and kind of unconsentedly share those out. So there's a lot of ways in which it's kind of like blackmail. You're kind of telling somebody, you know, if you try to leave or if you try to tell somebody, I'll spread rumors, I'll gossip, basically I'll ruin your reputation. And again, we know for high schoolers, that could be a really big deal. I think we all could speak to that. So next on the list, we have anger and emotional abuse. And really, I mean, to just sum this up, it's essentially using your words uh, to really make someone terrified or feel like at such a low point, right? Maybe you've humiliated them or put them down. Maybe you know kind of what to say to somebody to really make them feel awful about themselves. Or maybe you're doing this in front of other people. So maybe it's that situation. Uh, maybe I just start dating someone at school. I go up to them in the hallway and they're in a group of their friends. And now that we're dating, I think it's fine. I can kind of walk up and be next to them. But maybe when I do that, this person's kind of like, what are you doing here? Or like, go away. I don't want to talk to you right now. And kind of that like public humiliation of like, your friends are here. and that was embarrassing and now I don't know what to do. So there's a lot of ways in which this could be played out in real time, um, especially with teenagers, right? But I think looking at it, essentially just really tearing somebody down. So again, making them feel terrified, humiliated, whatever that could be to get them in that super low state. Our next one is using social status. So that one's using sexist, racist, homophobic, classist, uh, all any of those stereotypes to justify unfair behavior. So using any of those things that someone might fall into might belong to one of those groups or stereotypically could quote unquote belong to one of those groups, right? Using that against them. And I also think in this one, the cliques that we had in high school, I think everyone can remember those using yep. those social status, those are very real and they can be very, what's the word I'm looking for? They can really control your day-to-day -day life. You know, if you're trying to fit in with this one group and you're feeling like you have to act a certain way to be in that group and someone's using your actions in that way against you, you know, that is absolutely a part of this social status as well. Uh, using that as part of the abuse. Intimidation, so making someone afraid by using looks, actions, or gestures. So for this one, I actually do have a personal story for this one. The violence that I experienced, part of why I never recognized it as actual teen dating violence was because there was no physical violence. And I thought if there wasn't physical, then it was just not a great relationship. You know, as soon as it crossed that line into physical, I could understand that. Then I would know, you know, well, maybe I don't, I can't speak for myself in that time. I might've not even considered it at that point, but I knew that that was some sort of a cutoff for me was the physical. But 
I experienced so much intimidation and those looks, actions, and gestures, such as, you know, my partner would punch holes in the walls in our apartment and would make me sit there and look at the holes in the walls and remember that what I did caused him to punch those holes in the walls and I needed to sit there and remember that. And I did because I was under this manipulation that if I didn't, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And it was just honestly the easiest way out of that situation was to do what I was told and to sit there, be intimidated by just that being told to me that I needed to sit there and I needed to look at those holes in the walls in order to quote unquote, learn my lesson for whatever it was that I did not do. You were surviving, right? Right. It's like, I think that's what it comes down to. You'll do kind of whatever you have to, to avoid what else could occur or more abuse or the mistreatment. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a super powerful story. I think looking at that and really putting into context, especially if it's someone you know and love, that's really kind Mm -hmm. of what intimidation, how it gets to me is like, I understand that when you know and love somebody really deeply, if they want to kind of turn that switch and become terrifying, I feel like it's even more effective because it's like we have this relationship and we know you on this level, but all of a sudden it's like, you're showing me right now that like, I'm very unsafe around you. And I think that's more unsettling than if it like was someone you didn't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. But I feel like there's, there's just a certain level to that switch and how effective it is when it is someone we yeah, trust and usually is our maybe support system, right. Or someone that we consider to be safe. Yeah. I mean, you don't get into a relationship knowing that it's bad, knowing that it's violent, you know, at some point, it was great. That's why you're in that relationship. But somewhere yeah. along that cycle of violence, this started happening. And, you know, we've talked about that in previous episodes about the cycle of violence. But I think that's absolutely a true point that if it's coming from someone you love and trust, and you also think like, oh, it was a one time thing, or oh, they're just having a bad day, you make excuses for it as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brie, for being so raw and for sharing. Um, You're just so courageous and amazing. So thank you. Um, With that being said, we're going to move on to our next part, which is minimize, deny and blame. And so this is, you know, not making light of the abuse and not taking concerns about it seriously, right? Um, Saying that the abuse didn't happen. So just completely denying it or shifting responsibility for abusive behavior, saying that she or he caused it. And so, you know, just like Brianna, I also experienced teen dating violence, um, actually in many different relationships since I grew up in a household that was not the best environment, right? And the relationship that I saw between my parents was never healthy. Um, And so for me, that was my norm, right? I didn't know anything different. So to me, love meant, you know, that your your boyfriend, um, you know, could be jealous and controlling, right? Because to me, that was what love is. Like if he is not jealous of me um, talking to somebody else, or, you know, if he's not concerned about where I'm going, who I'm talking to, then he possibly does not love me, right? And so for, this is something that I specifically experienced where I specifically remember being in a relationship with this guy who, after he would get really upset with me and yell at me and pull me, right? He never really, he didn't slap me 
or get physical in that way, but he would get physical in a way where he would grab me with a lot of force to kind of let me know that, you know, he's strong and to kind of scare me and intimidate me. And um, he would get upset with any type of relationship that I would have with a guy, whether it was like a friend or just a classmate, right, that's talking to me about school. And he would wait for me right after class. Um, and if he would see me talking to any guy or, or if he would think that I was like smiling at a guy or making eye contact with a guy, he would get really upset, right? And he would pull me and he would get really upset, start yelling at me. And I would tell him like, you're hurting me, let me go. And he would start by like, completely denying what he was doing, right? Like, I'm not grabbing you hard. It's you. Do not see that you caused this. You're the one that's making me react this way. Like, you're the problem. It's not me. And I clearly remember never getting an apology from him. It was always like, well, I did nothing wrong. It was you. Maybe you should look at what you're doing, right? And it was always you know, him just blaming me. And there was so much self-blame that I would feel, right? Where I was like, God, maybe like, I know it upsets him that I talked to a another guy or that I'm talking to a classmate, you know, that's a guy, like I should know better. And so there was so much self-blame behind that, right? Because we know that a lot of this is psychological. So I started believing a lot of the things that he would say to me. But again, that was, you know, I, that was my norm. I did not know what a healthy relationship was like. My dad was always very controlling with my mom where she could never go anywhere alone and she had to be home by the time that he got off of work. And so to me, that was normal, right? That was what love um, looked like. So it took me a while to obviously figure out that that's not love. Um, but going on to our next portion, which is threats, you know, making and or carrying out threats to do something to hurt another, um, threatening to leave, right? Like I'm leaving, I'm not doing this anymore, um, to commit suicide or to report him or her to the police, right? So they may be turning it on you and making it seem like you're the one that's doing something, uh, making her or him drop charges, making her or him do illegal things, right? And so I think threats are very powerful and it's something to be mindful of because sometimes that could be the barrier on why a victim's not leaving. And I know for me specifically, um, you know, the abusive person that I was with and specifically talking about this person that I just spoke about, um, he would constantly threaten to hurt himself. So, you know, when I would get fed up and I was like, I'm done, you know, I just, I felt like I could not do anything without his permission. I could not hang out with, you know, even my own cousins and friends, um, even though there were girls to him, it, he felt like, you know, I was going to hang out with another guy or I was not wanting to spend time with him. Um, and so his way of controlling me, manipulating me was by threatening me um, and letting me know that he would hurt himself, that he would commit suicide if I left him. Um, because there were times where I would just break up with him and say, I'm done. And so his way of luring me back in was, you know, by using that threats and just letting me know that he was going to hurt himself and that it was going to be my fault and that he was going to let everyone know that it was my fault. And so for me, you know, as like a 15 year old, that was really scary. It felt really real. Um, it felt like, yeah, he could do that. And regardless of, you know, the pain and the hurt he was causing during that time, um, I did not want anything to happen to him because I cared about him. So this is something that does happen. And for many victims, there's different barriers on why they don't leave. And there's different tactics that the abuser uses. I think that's so important, especially in teen relationships. I think we're all pretty savvy to this fact that most of the time in teen dating violence relationships, like the threats that get carried out is usually that threat of self-harm, right? If you leave, I'll kill myself or I'll hurt myself. And so, I mean, how 
absolutely impactful and crushing is that threat going to be for somebody. If you are a healthy partner that does not want to do harm, you're just looking for a way out. But now they say, if you get that way out, well, here's the consequence of that, right? And I'm blaming it on you, or I'm telling you that it's going to be on your shoulders. Think about how like crushing, I'm not going to think I have the opportunity to leave, or I'll think I have an opportunity to leave, but that is my consequence. And yeah, that's going to weigh on my conscience. That's going to weigh on, you know, what I feel my options are being a young person, especially dealing with, you know, someone disclosing self-harm or thoughts of suicide. It's probably super tricky, right, for them to navigate and understand, what do I even do with this if this was just a, a typical everyday disclosure, right? Of someone coming and, and, you know, saying I have these thoughts, right? Let alone compacted now, right? Or added on to the fact of you're being abused and manipulated. And now you're also getting these threats, right? It's, it's dismantling. Yeah. The options you feel at that point have to be very slim to very much zero. Right. And so super important. And that's exactly that we kind what of that. the other Yeah, that's exactly what the other partner wants, right? Is they want you to feel like you have no option but them. It's very effective in what they're doing. You know, all of this might not be conscious conscious thought of, okay, how could I, let's write down a list of how I could get my partner to stay with me. You know, sometimes it's just something that, that comes up and something that they feel is right to say in the moment, but they, at the same time, know exactly where your buttons are, know exactly what's going to either push you over the edge or what's going to keep you there, you know, whatever they're needing from you at that point. Absolutely. And I will also kind of get on the the train today of sharing some of my own experiences, right, that I've had. Uh, my My first significant relationship was tumultuous to say the least. Um, A lot of abuse going on, not necessarily physical, but I will say that threat component, like JC was just speaking to as well, was one of the biggest pieces for me. And it wasn't necessarily self-harm, but what happened was when I met this person, uh, I was pretty young at the time. I was only um, 16 or 17. They were about 17 or 18, so not much older, but a year or two older. Uh, But they were getting off drugs, essentially. Um, This person, he was on drugs for uh, a year or so, was living at um, a college in the area. This is back in Pennsylvania, but living um, at like a local campus pretty much for a popular college uh, with friends, didn't go to the school, but lived there, was like selling and dealing and all this stuff. And so got out of that life, ended up losing pretty much all of his friends. By that time, you know, he said his family had wrote him off because he was on drugs and his other friends that were clean had wrote him off because he was on drugs. And then he also had wrote his other friends off because they were on drugs. So I kind of met him through uh, a couple of good friends of mine that had known him kind of throughout his life, right? I think reconnected with them like elementary school and, you know, talking to him again now that he's kind of changed or, you know, got cleaned up, whatever. So anyway, I met this person and just head over heels really quick, all the hallmarks of the unhealthy relationship, right? All the hallmarks. And there's other things I'll speak to it a little bit, but again, a lot of different forms of abuse going on. And so when it was time for me to start kind of after the work that I did and taking in some of the information and trying to say, you know, this isn't okay, or I'm going to leave and, you know, trying to kick him out. We were actually ended up living together um, at one point too, being pretty young. So when I'm saying, Hey, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe you should leave or I should leave. His biggest go-to was threatening me that he was going to go and relapse and it was going to be my fault. 
essentially, right? Like, I'm just going to go back to my old ways. I have no one. I have nothing. You are all I have. And if you go, you're essentially leaving me for dead. And to say that that utterly dismantled every option I thought I had at the time, right? Being that young, it absolutely did, right? Because again, I didn't want that way on my conscience. It was so important to me to like not harm this person and in a relationship do the best I could to support him his sobriety who he was right even throughout all of the abusive or unhealthy things that were happening and so saying things like that yeah immediately you know that option was was gone for that moment because I couldn't fathom and at that time I did believe through all the minimizing right blaming it on me all the other things going on I really believe that right I really internalized that's what would happen and it would be your fault so that that became the only option and an option I didn't feel comfortable or safe taking. So threats, super important. And then, so moving on to these last few pieces, we have sexual coercion, which in teen relationships, I always say it's all about consent. And essentially sexual coercion is either completely not understanding consent or not caring to get consent, right? To initiate some kind of sexual initiation with your partner. So maybe this partner is kind of manipulating, right? Maybe, okay, well, yeah, come on. You're my girlfriend. That's what you're supposed to do. So what you're leading me on. So what, you know, every other guy in class is going to have this going on with their girlfriends. I'm going to be the only one. Don't you love me? Or maybe it sounds like, well, you know, that's what a guy should do. I'm sorry if you're not comfortable, but that's just what boyfriends do for girlfriends. So you have to do X, Y, and Z. Or maybe it is uh, threatening, right? Maybe it doesn't sound like a little game. Maybe we're not manipulating. Maybe it's very threatening. If you don't do this, this thing will happen and it's bad. So maybe, yeah, if you don't do whatever sexual act with me, yeah, maybe I will uh, threaten to uh, harm you in some way or harm myself. Maybe I'll threaten to spread rumors, kind of looking at other parts of this wheel. So again, maybe there's threats attached to it or even drugs, right? Drugs, alcohol involved, maybe to get someone to a level where they cannot consent, maybe giving someone some kind of a date rape drug to where they're incapacitated and cannot give consent. So we will keep that conversation. Trust me, we'll have episode upon episode about consent itself. Super important. But essentially, it's just that person has not given you a yes. They have not given you or said yes. And maybe you've assumed it, but I'll just say this, never assume someone says yes. Okay. So kind of think about that be our biggest statement there for sexual coercion. And then lastly, isolation, which we know is really important. If you watched our domestic violence episode, we talked a lot about how isolation is one of the most kind of important things to kind of keep unhealthy or abusive relationships happening. Because essentially, if my partner and I, let's say I'm still in that relationship with my abusive partner, right? If my abusive partner and I, maybe he starts getting into fights with all of my friends. And actually this happened by the way. So this is kind of, this is a real story played out through a little metaphor. So let's say he starts getting in fights with all of my friends because I'm spending a lot of time with my friends, right? And after I kind of the little intro, I just told you about that particular ex, I was kind of his only support. I didn't have anyone else. I'm super dependent, super reliant. Um, and it was in a way that was kind of like self-created. I was trying to help him get a job and get out there, but no, and I can't, there's anxiety in this. So again, very dependent, right? And kind of created a system of dependence. So it started with, well, let me start, the abusive partner, let me start getting into fights with all your friends. So now you don't want to go out and hang out with them. And now they don't want to come over here because they don't like hanging out with me. 
And now we to start planning stuff in your head to where now that if I'm in a fight with your bestie, you're going to be in a fight with your bestie and maybe you'll write her off too. And that happened. Ironically, um, this, again, this is all true. The girl that this happened with is still my best friend. She now lives in Germany. Uh, shout out Jill. If you're watching this, hope you are. Hey girl. Um, <laughs> she lives in Germany. We still talk to this day. We're still best friends, but we just over the summer saw each other and, um, talked about the situation. She was like, Oh my God, I kind of like forgot about that, but like, Oh my God. But she was like, I kind of blocked that out. But at that time, he started just uh, creating issues, right? Getting us to fight with each other. Sooner than later, she was kind of like, I've had it. I don't like this guy. And, you know, for reasons that were pretty relative and understood. She saw him in little moments when he kind of would release that around other people. She heard him say things to me that weren't okay. She saw him treating me in ways that weren't okay. So she was fed up. But then he used that against me. She's just jealous. So what? Oh my gosh. Now your friend, now that you don't spend every day with her, she's over here hating you because you have a boyfriend. She's just trying to get in the way. Don't you see that? What an awful friend. She's not your best friend. What kind of a best friend would get mad at your boyfriend and try to start that fight and get you to break up? What a terrible person. So again, all the manipulation going on now, I'm believing this. Suddenly she's out of the picture and now everyone else is out of the picture. And suddenly it's just him and I. And when it's just him and I, yes, that behavior escalated a lot more because I don't have that friend there to say like, hey, don't talk to her like that. Or, hey, that wasn't okay. Or bring me aside and say like, hey, are you feeling safe? Or like, does he always do that? Because that's kind of scary, right? So once you have that person alone, there's no one to step in. There's no one to see that behavior and say, it's not okay. And so isolating maybe in that physical way where you know, you're kind of getting away and creating fights or just bringing you away from people, or maybe they're starting to like screen your phone. So as soon as your phone rings, they get it, they look and they decide whether or not you get to pick up or if they pick up, right? And so it's really getting to this person where you're kind of their only contact. So again, it's, it's a really big platform for abuse to occur because we know if you're alone, again, no one to really step in. And so we're going to do a little stop share on this wheel. We're going to be sharing something else coming up here in a little bit. Uh, but we also just want to mention quickly too, the motivation for abusing your partner as a teenager, right? And again, we talked about this in our domestic violence episode. It's the same motivation. The motivation to abuse and mistreat your partner is to have power and control of their life. That is what you're looking for, right? So again, even just that last part in isolation, I have a lot more power and control of your life if I'm the only one in it too. And so think about that. That's what they're looking for. Um, it's just power. It's just to make them feel better about themselves in control. And there's a lot of reasons that could be for, right? Maybe they've been abused. Maybe they grew up in households where they didn't understand or learn healthy relationships. Maybe they are, you know, getting sensationalized or misinformation from media about what relationships are. And so it's just important to keep that in mind. That's really the motivation here. That's what people are looking for. And so with that, I'm going to share my screen and Brianna's going to talk about, we have another, this is a great resource, especially if you're a teenager right now listening, amazing resource we want to share out with you. So Bri, I'll leave it to you. Yeah. So I actually have an interesting story about using this website when I was first really learning that I was a survivor of teen dating violence, that it wasn't just, oh, that relationship sucked, you know, <laughs> when I really started diving into what actually happened, I came to this website and I took one of their quizzes. So they have changed their quizzes since then, but how the scoring used to work for their quizzes 
it was somewhere along the lines of, you know, you go through, are you in an unhealthy relationship? And if you score somewhere, yeah, here's the quizzes. They have changed. But if you scored somewhere between like a 10 and a 15, it was probably unhealthy. If it was between like a 15, I'm making these numbers up now, but if it was between like a 15 and a 20, you definitely need or definitely should look into maybe talking with an advocate about it, you know. So I finished taking the quiz and I was looking at those scores and I was looking at how to score it and the kind of key for that before I saw my actual score. My score was like a 74. It was something that was so absurdly off the charts and it was a huge wake-up call to me because I didn't realize that it really had that much into it that it my relationship had that much going on you know I was starting to identify the red flags that I had missed but for that number to show up that significantly high uh, was a huge eye-opener for me and so ever since then I've advocated for people going through these quizzes albeit they have changed but I'm sure the the content is equally as eye-opening and valuable yeah, so I've kind of just been going through a little mock quiz right now, just so, you know, our listeners that are also watching this YouTube, um, you know, if you're kind of watching our extra screen here, you're getting a little sample. And so, yeah, this was, uh, is your relationship healthy quiz? Some of the questions so far, if you hadn't seen, was uh, my, my partner supports things I do. Uh, this one, for instance, your partner likes to listen when, you're, when you have something on your mind, yes or no. Um, and so it's just kind of redirecting every question you ask. And yeah, there's a lot of really great quizzes on here for not only a person that might feel like they're in an unhealthy relationship as possibly a victim or survivor, but also if you're someone that's like, hey, is what I'm doing okay, right? That's mm -hmm. a completely fine question. I think for anyone to ask themselves, hey, mm -hmm. am I doing good in my relationship? That's a great question to ask, right? You shouldn't be scared if you're thinking about that or worried, right? You should be really proud of yourself that you're no matter where you're at, that you're doing work to be reflective, right? And, and work on that. And so, yeah, there's also quizzes kind of rating your behavior, right? Is this kind of borderline? Is it okay? Is it becoming unhealthy? And a lot of resources, um, you know, based on maybe the results of your quizzes, right? Maybe you need to know more about something or healthy breakups or so on and so forth. So there's a lot of these tabs you can see about dating, healthy relationships, safety, that you can go to and utilize the resources. And one more thing I'll mention, if you're a teen taking this, if you're ever taking this and let's say your partner is around or someone's around and meanwhile, as you're taking the quiz, you're like, I have to get out of here. I don't want them to see. You'll see this little, uh, help me out, ladies. You know, I'm colorblind. This is, this is purple, right? This is a purple. Yes. Yeah. I would call you will magenta see. for those that are really specific with their colors. Yeah. Okay. And that's like not even a hard <laughs> color for me, but there's like so many other colors on the screen. You know me, I'm just making sure. So there's a big, bright, I'll say a bright button over to the right hand side, this there bright button. If you click on it, it will immediately take you out to Google. So let's say that, yeah, I was back on this page. Um, and all of a sudden up here comes my, my mom or my partner. And I don't want them to see if we just click that it's like, you were never there. Okay. So it's a really mm -hmm. good thing to know about using the site, especially if you are, wanting to try this now and maybe you're like oh well i have an opportunity i kind of have to i want to keep this under wraps for whatever reason um it's something really good to to keep in mind yeah and the resources so i don't know if i said the actual name of the website it's loveisrespect.org 
and they also have a text line so you can see right there you can text love is to 22522 uh, funny story about this really quick I have tested this but I was not prepared for someone to respond so quickly back to me when I tested it and I couldn't decide if I wanted to be like a fake team asking for support <laughs> or if I wanted to say like hey oh I'm just an advocate reaching out and so I did nothing right. I don't recommend doing that because then they texted back and they said are you in a safe place I didn't respond again because then I'm panicking like I, I didn't right. know which direction to take and then they replied again and said like do we need to call 911 on your behalf because I'm not responding oh, no. you're like <laughs> no no yeah Oh, oh I am so sorry to the advocate that answered my text. Um, <laughs> if they're listening <laughs> right now, this is an apology. This is a formal yes. public apology. <laughs> oh my so if you're going to test it, go in with a plan. That's my recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> you, you dove in really because deep. Because they will right? reply. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to stop sharing this, but yeah, again, we all encourage you to check this out. I'm super happy to hear that their functions and their support is spot on. And so I will also, yeah. awesome. I will link all of these, the text chat, um, their international, their one eight six six number here. I'll make sure that that's in our description box as well, along with just the website URL. So you can just kind of click and go right to that website instead of listening in and getting to this point, remembering what she said, right? Or what the name of it was. So all of that will be linked. It'll be super easy um, as well as our information as well. Let's say, you know, you are a listener today that just with our little brief overview we've given so far, because again, it's the beginning of the month, we have a lot to go into, but we're going to keep kind of diving into this topic and really expanding on it and really having other discussions. But let's say after today, you are uh, especially a youth that realizes that, hey, I might need some help either for, uh, you know, my partner or for myself in this relationship. And so if you're feeling that, please reach out to us, Bree, JC, and myself. Again, we do this for a living. That's uh, kind of what we are here for is hopefully to be a support. Again, we've all been through this. And, and I also appreciate my co-hosts for sharing their experiences today as well. We've, we've all been through this and this is why it's so important to us. And so today, if there's anything really that's, um, you know, we haven't addressed yet that you really, really want to know that you really want to have a conversation, maybe you just want to open up to somebody, you're going to have us as a resource, no matter what, all of our information will be below, as well as those other uh, international resources from Love is Respect. And so we really encourage you to please reach out if needed. I think it's really impactful that we're not just one in three right here. We are actually three in three. Three right in three. <laughs> It's like that's, that's a hard hitting statistic. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard hitting statistic, but it's the truth, right? It's mm -hmm. absolutely the truth. But that being said, we've gone over a lot, even though this wasn't our heaviest conversation. Still, we're talking about something triggering, and we're just going to take a few moments to breathe together today. Nothing crazy. We just want to recenter ourselves after that conversation, get us prepared for the rest of the day. So if you are in a space right now, have the opportunity to take on this meditation. Just find yourself into a comfortable seated position. Just get yourself ready to kind of just relax. Pretend you're like popping down your favorite chair after work and you're just letting it all go. Yep. And what I want you to do is start taking a nice slow breath in. Slow breath out. Breathe in through your nose. And out through your mouth. 
close your eyes if you haven't and inhale. And exhale. Start to make your inhales the same length as your exhales. You can count in your head. In your inhales, one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three. Keep focusing on your breath. And start noticing any spot in your body. Do you feel tension? Do you have any restlessness? Do you notice your mind racing? I want you to start sending your breath to that place. Maybe it's to that muscle to calm your mind. With every exhale, send your breath to that space. Your next inhale, I want you to take a deep breath in and hold it for a count of three. A long, steady exhale. Take another deep breath in, fill your lungs and hold for three. Long, steady exhale. On your next inhale, think of an affirmation or a positive word as you breathe in and hold for three. Exhale, send your intention out. And last big breath in, fill your lungs, and hold for three. This time, big breath out. I want you to slowly get back to your normal breathing. Start to gently wake your body up. Adjust in your seat, roll your wrists and ankles, roll your neck, or your shoulders. Feel free to do any gentle movement. Thank you so much for that lovely breathing technique. I definitely feel so very relaxed. I think it may be 
I, I know Brianna mentioned maybe a nap during our lunchtime, so I may have to do that as well. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect start to the nap then. Perfect. Yes. Yes, definitely. And so I just want to mention if you have experienced teen dating violence or, you know, you've experienced that in the past, just know that you are not alone, clearly. Um, and just know that you can contact our hotline to just ask any questions or to just speak to somebody anonymously. Our phone number is 530-544-4444. And just know that that is a 24-hour crisis line that is available for you. But with that being said, thank you for joining us for this important conversation today that covered teen dating violence. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. Thank you for being part of this one conversation. <laughs>